Welcome to Dropping at the Movies. We've just seen Coco. We've seen Coco by Pixar, um, which is um, which is a story about uh, a twelve-year-old Mexican lad called yes. Miguel uh, who wants to be a musician, but his, his family for years and years has uh, for generations has banned music because his great-great-grandfather abandoned them to pursue his musical dreams uh, and play music to the world, and the and, and his great-great-grandmother. Uh, said right, no more music. Yes, and through, through the generations, no music, and they've all been shoemakers instead. Mm. And he's expected to go into the fan business, but he wants to play music. And there's this great musician called Ernesto de la Cruz, who uh, Ernesto <laughs> de la Cruz, who who, um, who he then he he has a, a shrine to him. This is the most famous musician in the world. And oh my God, it turns out that Ernesto de la Cruz, mm. the world's greatest musician. He's his great great grandfather, and he wants to play at the at the Dia de los Muertos mm. uh, thing. And and so Dia de los Muertos is the, the, the Mexican Day of the Dead, where you you put out a, a sort of display of photos of your family, yes. and then their spirits or their ghosts. And you throw flowers so that they can find their way back to you, and you can find their way then to them. So it creates a trail. Yeah, and then and between the worlds, and they can come back and, and visit you, at least in the way it's portrayed by the film. And, yes. and then so so Miguel ends up. Uh, through one way or another, being sort of cursed into spending the night <laughs> in the land of the dead yes. and having to get his family's blessings so we can go back. Yes, and his family refuses to bless him or, or makes a condition of the blessing that he never play music again. That's right. So, These are his ancestors, the, the ghosts of his ancestors in the, in the land of the dead. Yeah, so, so, so the film's theme is actually... You know, about following your dream and, you know, the value of being an artist, but also the importance of family support and family solidarity and that family should be a place where you can achieve your dreams, not a place that prevents you from achieving them. Right. So um, that, that's as much as we'll say before getting into spoiler territory. Um, I suppose the other thing is I absolutely adored it. I loved it. I loved it to bits. Uh, Did you cry? No. I cried. Did you? Yeah. And if you hadn't been sitting next to me, I would have cried a lot more. Oh, then feel free. And a lot less guardedly, because feel I knew free. that you'd take me. I love having a good laugh and people that's crying. That's, that's, that's <laughs> a problem. You actually, I actually felt like you sitting next to me ruined it. You see, I'm because like you would have taken the I'm mic. like that family that prevents you from doing You things. are. <laughs> you are. Because, but I, no, I had a good cry, and I think it's Pixar's best film. I loved it. I think it's one of the best films of the year. It looks beautiful. Yes. And it looks like... I mean, I think the important thing to say is this is the first of those animated children's films, yeah, big-budget Pixar Disney, that I at least can remember that that is Hispanic, right? And well, specifically Mexican, but, you know, mm. just kind of broadening the picture. I can't remember any other instance, which is so bizarre when you consider that something like 40% of the population now or some absurdly huge number you know, has Spanish as its second language and, you know, kind of originates from Latin American cultures in one form or another. It's about time, right? And actually what these filmmakers do, I think, is really beautiful. You know, they kind of, they draw on, you know, mariachi culture and 1940s Mexican cinema. There's, there are direct quotations of Maria Felix and Dolores del Rio films, particularly of Enamorada with the mariachi singing and she goes in the balcony, 
Yeah, but all of that kind of cinematic culture mm. is integrated into this narrative. So the child wants to be or thinks his ancestor is this kind of famous, you know, film star who sang, mm. right? So so there are there's like black and white animation incorporated into the rest of the film. Uh, and, and, and actually it is, you know, like kind of, uh, you know, when... When Roland Barthes said that kind of, you know, works are tissues of quotations from every part of culture, you actually kind of see it in this film and the way that it's embroidered, right? You know, that kind of, yeah, it's drawing on kind of bits from, you know, Mexican cinema and music and, you know, uh, traditions and, yeah, it's kind of, I thought thought Costumes. Costumes. The palette, the color palette that's used in this film is so unlike anything that you've seen in these films before. The closest thing I can think of to, to a previous kind of big uh, American animation that drew on Hispanic or Latino culture would be Puss in Boots, which is not saying very much. Yes, though actually that's something I had forgotten that, yeah. yes. Antonio Banderas made a huge hit mm-hmm. with that. I actually still remember his pronunciation. Puss in Boots. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's probably a very bad imitation, but uh, you know, uh, in my head I remember it. Yeah. Uh, actually, I took my nephew to see it, I think. The, the uh, one thing I'd, I'd say about the look of this film, it, uh, along with everything you say about the way it draws on uh, Mexican culture and, 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 and visuals, is I think this is the first film animated 3D film that I've seen that looks like, for want of a better phrase, a real film. There have been so many beautiful, beautiful 3D animated movies by Pixar and DreamWorks and all these other companies, Um, but they all still look like cartoons ultimately, no matter how realistic they get. And there's something about this, the the shot compositions and the way that the camera moves and the, the use of shallow focus and and the the way the camera kind of shakes and the editing there is this feels like and and you'll never you're never in any doubt that it's animated you know the characters have still got cartoony faces and half of them are skeletons but it feels like a real film it's actually kind of amazing the the, the first half of wally had that as well when it was set on earth before they got into space um it really drew on the on subtleties of workings of cameras and and well the, the way that the way that cameras capture images and, and the way they move subtly and look in very realistic ways and that really captured it but this is the whole way through I thought it was kind of incredible actually I think it's an astonishingly beautiful visual work I mean from the beginning when you have all of these scenes that are constructed to you through these these cutouts that are really meant to be wash hanging but that nonetheless yeah. introduce you to the whole story and they're all kind of very intricate and hollowed out and of varying colors and just, it's just very beautiful it's like you know you start the film and you start the film in a place of beauty really it's just wonderful to see mm. um and you know i think there are moments like there was a moment where the grandmother i think begins to sing and i think it's chavela vargas's voice who's a very famous mexican singer kind of almodovar uses her in, in uh, her, the, her, the, her voice uh in some of his films and I just got chills down my spine. Mm. You know, it's like, uh, you know, her voice has that effect on me, really. It's, it's, it's in that voice that the grandmother who's abandoned sings, mm. you know, when she has her big number. The great-great-grandmother. Yeah, you know, the... you know, and she's got that croaky, slightly masculine, you know, kind of deep voice. Yeah, mm. it's very, I found it very beautiful. You know, and it was like, it was a, a spine-tingling moment. <laughs> yeah. The use of language is very interesting because um, the, the film is ultimately um, 
still for English speaking audiences, the American audiences. Um, uh, so it's English language, but the, but Spanish is uh, uh, kind of dropped in. So some songs are, are sung in Spanish. Um, there are certain lines that are like uh, Dia de los Muertos is always said in Spanish. Yeah, things it's, like this. It's, 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 it's kind of bilingual. Yeah, it's, but, I was um, going to say Spanglish or something, right? Right. Because but I mean, the thing is, it, uh, were this film kind of in real life, quote unquote, everyone would just be speaking Spanish. Yeah. So it's so it kind of it has its cake and eats it slightly, and it kind of. It approaches this kind of authenticity. I mean, in other words, um, if it were, if it had no consideration of that, it, they would just say "Land of the Dead" and "Day of the Dead" in English. Yes, you know, they would never care. Actually, I think it's trying to speak the way, you know, that Mexicans, in particular, and Hispanics in general, probably speak English in the United States. Yeah, you know, so you would say "Dias de los Muertos" and not "Day of the Dead." Mm. You know, and you would you'd say, switch back and forth. Yeah, and switch back and forth and makes the language. Uh, so. And I love that, actually. Um, and I love the way that they capture um, cultural ways of being. You know, so, like, what, you know, and I'm not Mexican and I'm not American, but, you know, the way that the grandmother kissed the grandson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the way my grandmother used to, you know, yeah. kiss me, right? Uh, so, so I loved all of those details and touches, really. I think it's, yeah. it's beautiful. Uh, and I loved... I loved the whole way that the world of the dead is represented, you know, with the bridges of flowers and then all of those stories and, you know, and then the wonderful jokes that they make out of like, you know, the skeletons' bodies being rearranged. Yeah, well, that's a kind of really classic cartoony joke, but yeah. they but they do it. They just they keep on reinventing, yeah, inventing new things out of it. Yes, and it's fantastic, and they and keep I, everything so fresh. And I love the way that they draw on film history. You know, so I love that there was like allusions to the Busby Berkeley numbers and yeah. you know the Carmen Miranda numbers. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. They make such a great joke out of that with um, uh, the, the uh, towards the end where the, the fight is over the photo of the great great grandfather because there's this thing about you have to keep the photo. You, the photo has to be there on the, on the display. I forget the name of the display. It has to be there so that he can be remembered and be able to make the make the journey on the Day of the Dead back to the real world and see his family. Um, and the and and the fight ends up being a kind of on, on stage during a performance. So it becomes this tango and this dance and a song between the great great grandmother and Ernesto, and they're fighting over the over the. Uh, Photograph, but they dance yeah. to to sort of disguise it, and then and also there's the security guys in kind of formation, how in and in like a sort of like say Busby Berkeley it's, type. It's wonderful. It's yeah. really inventive. I think it's really it, it would it would make my top ten of the year. This yeah. film, um, it's just it's just endlessly inventive. It's really kind of um, you know in, in its own way complex. It's visually stunning. It's actually kind of very cineliterate uh, 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 and kind of, you know, the, 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 the jokes are terrific. And I think it is genuinely moving. And also, I think it's thematically kind of interesting, right? You know, it does have something, something important and, and kind of told with nuance about, you know, kind of one struggles with families where on the one hand, you know, they want to protect you or whatever, but also they want you to be like they are. They won't let you be yourself, mm. right? You know, and there's always kind of that, like that tension between like, 
you know, protecting and imprisoning you. And I think the film kind of... And actually, thematically, good. it's constantly evolving because uh, I assume certain things. I, I, it starts off with the family being very constricting and, and Miguel wants to break out and be a musician and be free. Um, but of course, you understand that also there's a, the, the family are a unit and, and they're strong for that reason. And, and as the film, as, as, as the, the plot moves on, the themes are reframed and slightly changed subtly and gradually they are they are balanced and rebalanced throughout the film as the plot changes and as revelations come out as to who people are and actually what happened in the past then the then the characters change so particularly Imelda the great great grandmother who has this vile hatred of music yeah. and hatred of uh, of the her partner who left her but then it's a, but then she she comes out, no, I love music, and that was the problem. I had yes. to make this sacrifice, and that reframes that theme, and the theme of family. And then, and then when she kind of re-falls in love, or re- rekindles her love with her ex-partner, mm. because it turns out he was murdered, and that's why he never came back, mm. you know, then it changes again. And so it's not, it's not as simple as this is the theme, and you, it's consistent the whole way through. Yes, but it is anchored in a kind of a consistency, because actually it's not the great-grandmother who's like the great no... It's the grandmother, yeah. Well, in in real life, it is. Because, yeah, so in real life, she's told, she, you know, and the grandmother doesn't change until the very last second. Hmm. So, so it's the, you know, it's 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 the great grandmother, you know, uh, um, that uh, that is the one who does change. But anyway, I think your point is an important. That's one. what I said. The great great grandmother, Imelda. No, I realize that. What okay. I'm trying to establish is that you know, kind of the great the the person who prohibits everything, the matriarch in the real world actually doesn't change, right? Right. Yeah. Yes, so, and I think that's interesting because actually the film provides like a kind of a structural kind of um, uh, tension hmm. between one world and the other. So, you know, in one, things are constantly shifting. In the world of the dead, like nothing remains still. But, you know, there's still the beginning of the film where actually these structures are still in place, right? And overhang the rest of the film because... You know, the boy has to return to those. Yeah, yeah. no, that's true. So I think that's very, inter- it's very interesting structure. That is interesting, but I, th- but I, th- I did feel it was it, when b- because uh, because the grandmother's uh, insistence on no music that comes from her grandmother Imelda. Then, yes. then when the film engages with Imelda and then she starts engaging with Miguel, um, I felt like you know I thought it, was, it seemed reasonably clear to me that that when she changed, as I predicted she might. <laughs> Um, wow. the, the, that that change would kind of propagate through yes. ultimately. So, but it, but I mean, the grandmother doesn't have the option to change her mind before that because the, most of the film is the not real world, not in the real world. Yes. So, but actually, I think what's also interesting is that the reason that the grandmother changes her mind is actually not because of her grandmother no. in the world of that. It's actually because of her mother. Of her mother. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the co- the cocoa of the title is. Is the grandmother's mother, yes. who is this old lady in the real world who uh, is clearly losing her memory, um, and uh, and is just kind of sat still, wrinkled in a chair, not doing very much, talking mm. occasionally. She's not like senile, but she's kind of very still and mm. uh, on her last legs. So her father was the one who left them years years ago, and. The revelation comes out that her father sang this song to her, Remember Me, which was just for her. Mm. And when Miguel returns to the real world in the morning and sings her that song, she comes alive and she and she remembers it and it and and so it's not just 
and, and, and that's what convinces the grandmother that music is okay again because yes. music has revived her mother. That's right. Um, and reinvigorated her. And music, and in and in and in the spirit world, in in the land of the dead, what it means is that music literally saves the life of the great 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 grandfather because that song is what she remembers of him, and him being remembered is what keeps him alive in the land of the dead. Yes. This music literally saves a life. Well, let's say a little bit about the music, because as we came out, you know, I was humming it mm. in a way that, you know, I, I, I couldn't remember the songs of La La Land. You know, though eventually, after listening to the soundtrack many times, I, yeah, I did. Mm. You know, but, um, you know, but this is very hummable music. Remember me. <laughs> do, 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 do. Remember me. Mind you, that's the only one I do remember. Yes. That's the central song. Um, it's Poco Loco as well, which I don't remember. Yes. Well, I, you know, yeah, I kind of I remember that it's like, uh, uh, you know, typically kind of Mexican whoops uh, and, and shifts. Um, but I can't remember that either. But anyway, the music is very pleasant, very mm. enjoyable, and works very, very well. Right, yeah. So, you know, the film is, of course, like, like these animated films often are, it's a musical. Mm. You know, uh, so. but, it's, uh, it's, but it's musical where everything is framed in. Uh, every everyone has a reason to sing their songs. They're all diegetic. It's not like La La Land where you're jumping into songs from out of nowhere. That's it's, true. It's framed for everyone. It's about playing music and about singing on stage. And yes, um, yes. So it's not when like, people sing, they have reasons to. Yes, uh, to so sing it's not like Beauty and the Beast for teapots. And right. Exactly. Um, but, <laughs> but nonetheless, it's, it's, it's a great. musical. It's just kind of, it's a, yeah, absolutely, it's a musical, and it's and um, it's a, it's got beautiful music, and it's it's very rich and yes. moving music. Anyway, um, it's also got loads of good jokes about Frida Kahlo, where which I think actually oh, that was wonderful. So yes. Frida Kahlo is one of the defining figures of of Mexico. Yes. Um, I mean, I, I probably I don't know if I can think of a, of a more defining one. Well, <laughs> yes, I, I you know, a more well-known kind of. I would um, say somebody like, you know, Maria Felix or Dolores del Rio. They're all quoted in this film. You, yeah. They're all visualized, but arguably the most famous image is that of Frida Kahlo. Yeah, and, I, well, and I would say in the English-speaking world, Frida Kahlo is yeah. much more well-known than, than the other figures that I think you talk about. Okay, um, but I, and do you think the film slightly does her a disservice by not really taking her very seriously? No, it shows I mean, it to be a kind of outrageous flamenco-y, you know, we shall have fire, darling. I loved her. <laughs> I loved uh, her. But, uh, uh, and, and she's I a figure of fun in the films. And I loved the way that she's so visually easily recognised, that she's so iconographic, it means that people can try to pass as her, they disguise <laughs> themselves as her, and then there are jokes about the monobrow falling off. Yeah, yeah, it's illegal to to fake a monobrow in the land of <laughs> <Yeah>. the dead. <laughs> uh, I thought that was all marvelous. I loved it to be honest. I'm slightly splitting hairs with that one, but I I, I did feel like she was purely a figure of fun in the film. Um, she was endearingly poked fun, a very yes. lovingly poked fun. At. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, 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 and I really uh, enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we've run out of time because this is a short yeah, podcast. Yeah, get going. Um, um, but uh, we highly recommend it. I think it really is one of the top films of the year. It's absolutely astonishing. I loved it. I was surprised that it, there, there, was, there didn't seem to be a 3D screening of it. Um, it's all in 2D. Which, I didn't look. Uh, which was surprising to me because I would have thought it is in 3D as well. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but anyway, it looked beautiful. Yes. So, um, yeah, eavesdropping at the movies is on Facebook and Twitter. 
uh, at eavesdrop was it at eavesdrop movies on Twitter eavesdropping at the movies on Facebook on SoundCloud eavesdropping at the movies dot com is the blog uh, we're on iTunes uh, you can email us. <laughs> <laughs> eavesdropping at the movies at gmail.com so and all of that we're, we're everywhere we're everywhere and nowhere baby that's where we're at <laughs> alright let's wrap it up bye bye coco loco <laughs> <laughs>